Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. Like I said, I'm, I'm just really thrilled to jump into the series that we've been talking about. And if you would grab your Bibles, we like to stand for the reading of God's Word. Grab your Bibles as you remain standing. When you walked in, they handed you a message outline. And in that message outline is the points to my message as well as the verses that we're going to read together uh, this morning uh, for our series where we're talking about gratitude. Someone say gratitude. Say, I'm grateful. (laughs) Come on. Now, I know that you might think, Pastor, how are you going to preach on gratitude after all that's happened this year with all, you know, the pandemic and all of the, the, you know, civil unrest and, and the, you know, election. And how, how is there anything to be grateful when it seems like so much division? And here's what I'm going to tell you. We have a lot to be grateful for because how many know God is still in control? I said, how many know God is still in control? Amen. And that is not a cliche saying. That's not some hyper-Pentecostal, you know, just kind of, I hope, no, God is in control. And I just want to say it one more time. I said it last week, but in case you missed it, I'm going to tell you one more time. I know that right now there's a big divide, divide in our country. And here's what I'm going to tell you. In the Bible, okay, look to the Bible. When Jesus was on the cross, follow me here, okay? Jesus has no political party. Jesus stands for the kingdom of heaven. Let me get a good amen, okay? And when we, were, when we saw Jesus, watch me now. He was on the cross. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? Remember when, remember when he was on the cross, he had two thieves. There was a thief on the left and a thief on the right. Okay, there are thieves on the left and there are thieves on the right. But Jesus was in the middle. Where should the church be? In the middle with Jesus. Anybody come to church today to be with Jesus? Give me a good amen, okay? And then for those that know their Bible, what happened? One of them asked Jesus, how do I enter paradise with you? And Jesus said, come with, come with me, tell us today you'll be with us. So what are we to do? Is we're trying to lead people to paradise, to heaven. We're not trying to lead nobody to anything other but to Jesus Christ. We're trying to lead people to Jesus. Preach Jesus, live for Jesus, pray to Jesus. We pray peace in our cities. We pray, come on somebody, we pray violence to stop. We pray division to stop. We pray, come on somebody, we pray for unity in the house of God. We pray for revival to come. We pray for souls to be saved. Come on somebody. I got four claps. I wish I had better claps this morning. Come on, say amen. So I'm gonna say it one more time. When you come to the house of God, we're all on the same team. We're on the team of Jesus Christ. Two amens. All right, I'll take them this morning. Okay, that's what we come for. So don't be like, I don't know about that person over there, and I saw what they posted, and I don't know who they voted for. I voted for Jesus. That's who I vote for. Come on, somebody. Amen. Four claps. All right. How many are ready for the Word of God? You ready for the Word? Okay, Philippians chapter 4, verse number uh, 10. We're going to read through verse 10 through 13. Then we're going to go verse 19 through 20. And uh, I want to talk to you today continuing our thought on contentment, on gratitude, and uh, here's what the Bible says here. Paul the Apostle writes this here in the book of Philippians, and this is what he says in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. He says, indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Someone say, I'm good with or without it. 
he says, I learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation in 2020. Come on, I had that 2020. He says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, whether eating steaks or eating beans and rice in Jesus Christ, I know to be blessed. Amen. Verse 13. Everybody loves this verse, but in context, he's talking about learning the power of being content. He says, I can do all this or all things through him who gives me strength. Jump down to verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And this scripture was so good that Paul amened himself and he said, amen. Come on, somebody. Isn't that powerful? I want to talk to you today. The title of my message is Contending for Contentment. I want to talk today about contending for contentment because it is a battle when you're fighting for contentment. Amen. About you by your head and let's pray. Father, I thank you today because we gather for no other reason but to honor you, Jesus Christ. Lord, we humble ourselves today and we ask you, Father, that you would speak to us, that God, in the middle of all that's going on in our nation, we speak peace in our communities, we speak unity in the house of God, we speak unity for the people of God. God, we pray that there be no division. The devil is a liar, trying to divide people and God, we pray right now that you would encourage us, give us the correct perspective, Father, a biblical perspective. Give us a biblical, Father, standpoint. Speak to us today, Lord, as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We turn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. Come on, give God one more clap. You may be seated. And just tell the person you came with, tell them, say, I'm good with or without it. Come on, say, I'm good with or without it, contending for contentment. I want to talk to you today about contending for contentment because it is a battle, especially in a year like this year, is to say, God, I'm going to be grateful no matter what. It's a lot going on, but God is in control. I want to talk today about contending for contentment. Here's the thought I want to start with is when it comes to, you know, talking about gratitude and, again, thanksgiving is not a biblical holiday, but Thanksgiving is a biblical value and a biblical principle. God wants us to live from gratitude, not from disgratitude or discontentment uh, and complaining. But I want to start with this thought, and here's the thought I want, I want you to, to understand is right now in your life, right now at this moment, you have everything you need to be content. I'll say it again. Right now in your life, Whatever you have, whether a lot, a little, somewhere in between, right now you have everything you need to be content. Now, you may not have everything you want, but you got what you need, okay? In other words, the beauty or the power of being content is contentment is not predicated on receiving more. Contentment is realizing what you already have. It's taking inventory of saying, God, I'm not going to place my peace on something in the future, but I'm gonna place my peace in my current situation, of course, because God, you're with me no matter what I got. No matter, uh, no matter you know, if I'm wearing Nikes or Schnikes, come on somebody, I'm, go- 
I'm gonna thank God. In other words, I'm good with or without it. Now, let me jump straight to the context. I have a lot of ground I wanna cover today. But Paul the Apostle, when he's writing this in the book of Philippians, stay with me here, Paul the Apostle is actually writing this, this letter, the, the, the Philippian letter, to the church that's in a city called Philippi. Philippi was in the Roman province, and this was a church, a body of believers who had come to serve God and were growing in their walk with God. Now, what was going on during this time was the Roman Empire was persecuting the Christians. They were, you know, causing them to, to feel outcast. There was, there was, you know, a lot going on in the world. And, and, um, and so Paul is writing this letter. Now, where Paul is writing this letter from is very powerful. Don't miss this because this is what gives the scripture power. Is Paul is actually writing, the book of Philippians is known as a prison epistle because Paul is writing this from prison. Now, don't trip, he didn't do anything wrong. He was actually in prison for doing right. Because he was preaching the gospel, because he was unashamed about what the Bible said, they, they, they muzzled him and they put him in jail for preaching the gospel. So Paul is in jail. Now, right, stay with me here. While he's writing this, jails was not like the jails were today. These jails were actually, they would feed him literally crumbs. Um, the jails were actually in the sewers, so they were not above, but in the Bible times, the Roman Empire put the jails in the sewers, and they would chain them where all the sewage would literally go through their feet. Can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine all, all the junk that was going through there? And while he's, he's down there, they would give him time to write letters. They would you know, release them, maybe eat a little bit and write a letter, and this was his present living condition. Now, in the middle of all of this, Paul writes by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he says, I hate my life. That's not what he writes. But instead, Paul writes, I've, I've learned the secret to be content no matter the circumstance. In other words, he wrote, I thank God for the days where my toes were on the beach, and I even thank God when my toes are in all this mess. The power of a believer is can you give God praise not only when your toes are on the sands of the beach, but when your toes are in the middle of some mess. And I'm praying that even in this Thanksgiving that we're going to get some real worshipers, some real men of God, some real women of God that say, Lord, I'm going to praise you even when I'm in some mess. Now, if you're going through some mess, come on, somebody, you're, you're in good company because we all go through some stuff. Anybody go through some stuff, say amen. So Paul writes, I've learned the secret of being content. Now, this is powerful because Paul is not writing this from everything going good. And it kind of sounds like what we're going through. How many know that we're going through a lot as a nation, a lot of things going, a lot of division, but we're going to be grateful because we know God is on our side. But I like how Paul says, I've learned the secret. Because he's like, it's, it's, it's not a secret because God is hiding it from you. It's a secret because it's for those who search for it. In other words, you got to search for what to be grateful for to get your praise, to get your worship, to get your perspective out of the metaphorical gutter. Because Paul could have got focused on what he was going through and not get focused on the God that's in control. So Paul was like, I'm going to be grateful. Of course, he's not grateful for his current situation, but he's grateful for the God who's with him. 
during this current situation. And I'm going to tell you right now, we more than ever got to be a church that still worships. I'm telling you, you got to pick your head up, put your eyes to the hills where your help comes from. God is with me. God is in control. Come on, somebody say amen. So just say I'm good. Say it again. I'm good. <laughs> now, we, we need to get this perspective. I want to talk about this because some of us be losing our salvation when your iPhone screen breaks. Why me, God? <laughs> you know? All right. We got, we, got, we got to graduate in our contentment and what God has for us. He says, I learned the secret of being content. Write this down. I got two points for you, but a lot of sub points. So let's, let's cover some ground today. I really feel that today, and I want to say this, if you're watching on social media or you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, share the link because today I believe it's going to speak to a lot of people that are going to need this. But write this down. Number one, contentment is learned. Say that we say contentment is learned. Okay. It is a learned behavior. It is a learned characteristic trait in your life. Nobody is born with contentment. I can prove it to you because my one-year-old child, he ain't never content. He want a baba every 15 minutes, okay? That's enough. No more baba. And you're like, I already gave you four. And he starts crying. You're like, just give him the baba. We forget about justice. We just need peace. Come on, somebody. <laughs> give him the baba. Anyway. None of us are born with contentment. In fact, we're all born with discontentment. We're born and, and our, our default setting is to be discontent. Our default setting is to always say, but I don't have this, but I don't have that, but, but this, but, I, but this not yet. And Paul reveals something very powerful in the scriptures and Paul says, I've learned to be content. So therefore, all of us that are in church this morning, Costa Mesa watching online, those that are here this on replay, we got to recognize that I have to learn this ability. And I also have to teach this ability to my kids and, and, and to, to my, my surroundings. I have to allow the atmosphere to learn it. And how will you ever learn if you don't go through the school of life? We have to learn contentment. So, so, so Paul's like, I had to learn this thing. And he's breaking it down. He's like, I had to learn how to be content even when I'm in some mess. I had to learn how to be content even when, you know, people were persecuting. I had to learn how to be content when people were hating on me, when people were falsely accusing me. I had to learn how to be content when not everybody liked me. I had to learn how to be content even when I wasn't where I thought I should be by now in my life. I had to learn how to be content even when my, my, my friends left me, when my, my, your friend back stabbed you. He's like, I had to learn to be content. This is a learned behavior. And I believe that content people are the most powerful people, are some of the most powerful people because we've learned to be content, obviously not in us, but in Christ. Amen. Paul says, I learned how to be content. Watch this in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Now, there are two places you got to learn to be content. Stay with me here. It's when you have nothing and also when you have something. So there's two places. Now, when you have nothing, it's hard to be content, but I'm also going to say this, even when you have some stuff, it's also hard to be content. Because you think, well, once I get that house, that car, that boat, you know, that, that catalog with that picture that you see on Pinterest, and once I, you know, I get all that, you think I'm going to be content? No, it's a rat race. You just keep, and so you got to learn to be content even when you got stuff. Say amen. Some people get dizzy at the top. Once they get the blessing, they forget the blesser. I've seen it. People pray for me, Pastor. I need a job. They get a job, never come to church. Woo, I'm just gonna I'm look at the floor. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
pray for me, I get married. They get married. They don't come to church. Woo, hallelujah, I felt that one. You know, pray for me that I finally get this opportunity. They get the opportunity, they turn their back on God because they forget the blesser. And I know the reason some of you, you're in church today, it's not because you're in need. You're in church today because you're in plenty. God has been too good for you not to come to worship. God has been too good for you not to give. God has been too good for you not to serve. Come on, somebody. Who, who, knows? who in this place can say God's been good to you? And it's like, I got to serve him. Say amen. He's been too good for you. He's been too good to you, too good for you. He's been, I'm telling you right now, God has been better than I deserve. Say amen. So Paul's like, I know what it is. This and he says, I know what it is to be content. But then Paul in verse 13, verse 12, he said, I know what it is to be content in every situation. And then watch verse 13. We all know this verse and everybody quotes it. You know, I can do all things through Christ or him who gives me strength. Everybody loves the verse. It's one of my most favorite verses. I love this verse. It was verse, actually one of the verses that led me to the Lord uh, when I was serving, when I was, you know, seeking. I wasn't serving God. This verse spoke to me. But when the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, in context, watch me now. Paul says this when he's talking about when discontentment comes to his life. Hmm, isn't that interesting? See, we tend to use the scripture, not saying you can't use the scripture when you need God to give you strength, but you want to know when you most need to use the scripture is when you're discontent about life. Wow. So if you're in a place of discontentment on where your life is right now, on what situations are, you need to be quoting Philippians 4.13. It's not just so God can give you strength, but it's just say, so God, teach me to be content in Christ in this situation. You may not be content about your circumstance, but you got to be content about Christ. You may not be content on where certain things are in your life. And I'll tell you to praise God for the things that are breaking down, but I am telling you to praise God for the God who's with you, for the God who's in control. And Paul says, through Christ, I am content because he's the rock of my salvation. He's my help in time of need. He's my miracle worker. He's my healer. And I'm content in Christ. Some will say I'm content in Christ. Some will say content for contentment. So, so watch this. When you're discontent, See his 10 fingers? I should quote Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Devil. <laughs> devil. You trying to get me to be unhappy about where God has taken me? You're trying to get me to be unhappy about what God is doing? Devil, I'm going to contend for my contentment. I'm going to contend for my contentment. I'm going to fight to recognize I'm grateful for who I am today, but I'm going to fight for who I'm going to become tomorrow. I'm going to be content in my marriage. I'm going to be content in my kids. I'm going to be content with my car that breaks down. Some of you need to jump after church. We got your back. I'm going to be content with your spare tire that you've had for like three weeks. I'm going to be content. Come on, with my sandwiches. Come on, somebody. You're going to, I'm going to be content because God has been good to me. Come on, somebody, fight for your contentment in this season. Tell the person you came with, contend for your contentment. Contend. For your contentment. You, 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 why? Because Paul says, I learned this thing. But he says, I learned that I got to do it through Christ. Only through Christ who gives us the strength. Because contentment, like I said, is a powerful thing. And discontentment, we'll talk about that in a second, can be dangerous. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, watch what, what, what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment 
is great gain. First Timothy chapter uh, 6 and verse 6, godliness with contentment. The Bible says we gain a lot when we're in that place of contentment. First Timothy 6, 6. Now, why does the Bible say that it's great gain when you're content? Because I would submit to you today that the happiest people are content people. And the most unhappy people are the discontent people. I would also submit to you today that the most, um, you know, loving people are content people. Because they're like, I'm good. God, I'm good. Of course, I got dreams and goals and aspirations and, and things. But God, I'm good with or without it. I'm good because God, you're with me. The most generous people are content people. Because they say, I'm, I know God got me covered. I can give because I'm content with what I have. I'm not like, no, I can't give because I want more. You get Smeagol, you know? You know Smeagol from Lord of the Rings? The precious, you know? It's like, you, you can't even give in this season because you, you're like, no, I need more. Don't worry, I'm not picking up an offering right now. Chill out, okay, somebody? Yeah? But, but it's like, no. You know, I don't, don't, I'm not going to give. And it's like, why? You're blessed. There's people in need. There's families. There's, there's so much need in this world. No, don't give. But content people are like, God, I'm good. You got me. You've been good to me. Let me be good to you. Let me bless somebody. Any generous people in the house of God, come on, somebody say amen. So we're content. Now, let me just really quick bring a quick, quick balance because a question that I, that I got years back is someone asked me, they said, how can I be content but still have goals? You know, here's, here's how. It's very simple. The way to be content and still have goals is here's how. Have your goals. But if your joy is predicated on the goal coming to pass, then you're out of order. Okay? So if you're like, if I don't get it, I'm going to be depressed, then you're out of order. If, it doesn't, if I don't get that job, if I don't get that house, if I don't get approved for that, if, I, if she doesn't say yes to my date invitation and, and you get depressed, if you don't get your desired outcome and therefore your joy is robbed, then you have your hope in the wrong situation. So have your goals, but you say, God, no matter the time it takes and no matter if it comes or it doesn't come, I'm good. So I'm still going to, you know, be driven. I'm still going to have my holy hustle, okay? You know, I'm still, I'm still going to be on my grind. I'm still going to be believing. I'm still going to be dreaming. I'm still going to go to school. I'm still going to open that business. I'm still going to make that, that thing happen. I'm still going to go forward. I'm still going to, you know, brush your teeth. Hopefully you get, you get a date. Come on. I'm still going to believe God. You know, you, you, you go ahead and you have your goals, but don't put your joy on that coming to pass. Say it with me. Say, I'm good with or without it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to worship God, whether it's, it's, it's in, in my, my new car or your Chevrolet legs. Some of you get it later. Oh, Chevrolet legs, walking. I can't, okay, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to worship God. Because here's how the enemy, and, and I would submit to you that the, every temptation is, is spray, peppered on with discontentment. Satan gets you to fall into temptation by peppering it with discontentment is he tries to get you to believe that what God gave you, he held back on you. God's holding back on you. He's holding back on you. And he says, see, you don't have enough. Take a bite of this, Eve. See, you, you do this. That, this is real joy. It's, it, if the enemy can get you discontented, this is how he, he, this is how he, he breaks up marriages. 
because he gets them discontent with one another. Um, it's a marriage seminar now. Come on, somebody. Pull out your booklets. Okay. You get discontent. I deserve better. Woo! Shondo got quiet up in the church. Got, you know? He gets you discontent. They don't appreciate me. They don't value what I do. And as soon as the enemy gets you in a place of discontentment, then he starts to get you looking other places. This is how he gets people, even in church, they get discontent. They get discontent with their friends, discontent with their life. And they start, and you guys say, no, God, I'm good. I'm godly, and I'm good, and I'm content, and I'm not going to let the enemy mess with me. Come on, put a good amen on that, all right? So how does the enemy deal with discontentment? Here's what, here's what took a long road here, but here's how. Is that the enemy, the way he gets you discontent is by comparison. If you want to mess up something good, compare it to something else. Write this down, point number two, comparison kills contentment. Let's talk about comparison. Whoa, come on. Hallelujah. Comparison kills contentment. The number one killer of contentment is comparison, which then leads us to discontentment. The enemy wants to keep God's people in discontentment, and how he does it is he gets us to compare ourselves, and we live such in a comparison culture, and the truth is, even since we were kids, we were always taught to, you know, kids, they always be comparing, like, like who gets the, the, the bigger slice of pizza, or, or you know, they, they compare with who gets, well, they get to stay up later than I do, or, or you know, uh, you're in high school, you compare grades, you compare your friends, they compare their clothes, they compare their, their athletic abilities, then you, get, you become an adult, and adults start comparing their jobs, their income, their status, their, their boats, their cars, their houses, their lawns. Some of you are in comparison with your friend, your neighbor's lawn. Mine's going to look better. You know, they get, they get, you get trapped in comparison. We live in a comparison culture and it's trying to kill your contentment. Then you introduce this thing called social media. Let's talk about social, hashtag social media. Then you introduce Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest, those perfect Moms who do perfect little lunches and, 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 you know, and they got these right, you know, journals and this calligraphy and perfect little green juice latte froth smoothies and you're like, I'm terrible, you know. They make their little stars on the lunches and you're like, I just put a protein bar in there sometime, you know. <laughs> I did it one time. Pastor was out of town, and it was like crazy and kids. And I, I put two protein bars, and I'm just confessing right now. And, you know, I'm trying to get my kids to have gains. You know, Judah and Faith, they had some gains. They had protein bars. Dad got you covered. Anyway, all right, come on, somebody. <laughs> Let's go. You know, get them some. Anyway, all right. So, you know, social media will cause you to spiral into a deadly death spin of comparison that kills your contentment. You know, you'll be chilling and you're just, you know, you're, you're so happy about your day and then you grab your phone and, and all of a sudden you, 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 get, you get discouraged because you do the if only, those two words, if only. If, if only I had, you know, 
If only I had as much money as them. If only I, I was as smart as, as them. If only I had hair like her. If only I had kids well behaved like that. If only my parents weren't as crazy like their parents. If only I had a job like that. If only my kitchen was like that. If only I, I could be on the beach like them. If only I could think like that. If only my kids acted right like that. If only I had a car like that. If only, and we get caught up in the if only words. And these two words are dangerous because the if only always leads you to depression. If only will always lead you to discouragement. And we start saying, if only I had this, if only if I had that. When the reality is, listen to me, look at me right now, everybody, social media ain't real. The grass is not greener on social media. I'm trying, you know, somebody. <laughs> it ain't real, you know, because you're comparing your, 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 your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. Breaking news, they ain't always in love. <laughs> Woo, I'm preaching real good this morning. Here we go. Breaking news, I love them. They ain't always in love. Tell them to post the argument they had five minutes ago. <laughs> they ain't gonna post that one. Post the argument. Post the one we were all mad at each other. I don't know about you, and I don't know about you. Now we're getting to the real stuff. Come on, somebody. You know, don't, don't. post the other side of the, of the living room where you threw all the stuff. Come on, somebody. Post that side of the living room. You know what I mean? Don't, don't tie. You know what I mean? Post the one without the filter. Post the one when you first wake up. Woo, I'm preaching real good. Let's go. Don't post them on the angle. Come on, you touched it up. Let's go. You know what I mean? It ain't real. So here we are. We get discouraged because of what we see. We compare, so we kill our contentment, and we think, look at that. They're over there, you know, frolicking on the beach and smiling and taking a picture, and I'm married to this guy here and brush his teeth yet. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. You're like, well, you know, I don't want to take me out. You don't want to take me out to break me. You want to walk with me? And they're over there frolicking on the beach, and you think that, but you didn't know that they're as messed up. I shouldn't say that. They might be as messed up, you know, and they might have stuff, but we get discouraged because we we compare and we lose our worship. Comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. And so this is, this is dangerous because it is a subtle sin. And I'm going to show you here in a minute because it works on you internally and it discourages you. Uh, when you compare, you despair. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who, are commend, who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, what does the Bible say? They are what? Not wise. They are not wise. The Bible is telling us that to compare is to be unwise. Scripture says this. Watch, we're talking about contentment. We're talking about how the enemy kills your contentment is by getting you to compare. The Bible says to compare is unwise. It's, 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 there's no wisdom. You will never win by comparing. Never. And, and I got a little analogy here. We, I got a little apple, a little orange. And, um, and the Bible says to compare is unwise. And here's why. This is an apple, right? It's an orange. Eat your fruits. And, you know... This apple and this orange are different. They both feel different, okay? They both taste different. Both of them will taste different. Both of these, you know, have a different shape. Both of these have a different look. Both of these are completely different. How wise would it be for me to compare this orange to this apple? 
and be like, yo, apple, how can you not like this orange? Yo, orange, how can you not like this apple? It would be unwise, right? You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is just love both of them. Wisdom is saying they're both awesome. Some mornings, I want OJ. Some mornings, I want AJ. Sometimes, I want, I, I, you know, I want some tahini with my, my orange. You know what I'm saying? Like, just let's go. Sometimes, I want peanut butter with my apples. Okay? The point is, can we just love both? Can we just say oranges are awesome, apples are awesome? You know, I love them both. You like apples? How you like them apples? Come on, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, so we, we got to say, I'm going to celebrate both. And this is what we need to be, is you need to say, God, I thank you this month. I thank you this year. I don't got to be like nobody else. God, you made me just like me. And I'm going to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Come on, somebody, and all the worship. Somebody shout Amen. Comparison kills your peace. When you compare your abilities, you compare your appearances, you compare your possessions, you compare even your troubles. You know, some people even compare their, their, their struggles. Well, if my struggle was as easy as theirs. You don't know their struggle. You know, everybody always thinks their, they, everybody always thinks their struggle is the hardest. Let's talk about that for a minute. Hashtag struggle is real. Yeah. They think, well, you know, because like they'll say, like if someone asks you for encouragement, they're like, like, pray for my husband. You're like, yeah, your husband, I pray for him. Pray for my wife or pray for my kids. We pray for your kids. And then when you say, hey, pray for mine, you're like, but they go, mine's different. Mine's really different. This is like a different demon never seen in all of humanity. <laughs> it's like a different demon. It must be a new one. There's another, there's going to be a 67 book in the Bible about this one. This is never heard of ever, ever. Like this issue, they've never dealt with this. I'm the first one and, and I have to go through the hardest thing ever. And we always want someone else's issue, you know? Because we tend to think that that struggle is easier than our struggle. We compare struggles. Well, if you had my problem, shh. It's a victim mentality. And you compare and it leads you to discontentment and it discourages you, throws you away. Trust me, thank God for your struggle. You don't want somebody else's struggle. Somebody else, you, you, trust me, you do not want their struggle. Even though you think, well, you know, mine is really bad. No, 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 listen, listen. God, the Bible says, will never give you more than you can handle. But it'll always give you a way to escape. God knows what you can handle, and whatever you're going through right now, God is going to see you through. Come on, somebody say amen, all right? Why is comparison unwise? I got to move quickly here. Write this down in your notes. Here's why comparison is unwise. Because when you compare up, in other words, someone who's doing better than you, you will always get discouraged. So... Comparison is unwise in all directions because if you compare where you're at now with someone that quote unquote is doing better than you, it immediately leads you to discourage, discouragement. Because you're like, man, I'm not as good as them or, you know, uh, you know what they have is not me. And then what ends up happening is, is you become, you can even become a hater where you start hating on someone else's blessing. And I'm just going to say this, is, is maybe the reason you haven't got your blessing is because you're hating on someone else's blessing. It's real talk. And, and I'm telling you right now, is I think sometimes God blesses someone else. I can't prove this scripturally, so this is just me talking here. But I think sometimes God will bless someone else in your life with what you want to see how you react. <laughs> yeah. You say, bam, you're like, oh, I was praying for that. I, th I think they hijacked my prayer requests. You know what I mean? Like I was believing God for that one and she must have just like, like snatched it out of the air and, you know, 
I think you got the wrong delivery address on that one, Lord. You know, I'm more holy. I pray more. I worship more. You know, I don't know if she got, you know, she's been dating. Lord, I know who she really is, Lord. I know, I know. You know, come on. I, I, you know, God, and we, and we start hating other people's blessings. And as long as you, you hate on someone else's blessing, God won't release to you the blessing. Because you're in a spirit of competition, strife, and God doesn't bless competition and strife. You want to keep your heart pure? Just, just celebrate people who, who, who got what you want. Like, you got a promotion? Man, praise God. Don't be fake. Be like, wow. That's awesome. Damn, I need a promotion. Man. You know what? Just say, praise God, Lord. Come on, high five them, celebrate them, and be like, hey, don't act like God ran out of blessings. You know? Like, we're, oh, man, you got the promotion, God. You ran out of blessings, and you must not have not another one. Be like, so good. If God did it for you, hook up your girl. Hook up your boy. Come on, somebody. And say, God, do it for me. Come on, can I get an amen, right? Celebrate each other, you know? And I'm telling you, Randy, you want to keep your heart pure? Celebrate people. Celebrate people. Keep your heart pure and celebrate people's blessing. When they get blessed, don't be like, how much that cost you? Stop it. Just be like, so cool, man. You got blessed. That's amazing. Man, that's fantastic. Man, awesome. Serve God. You got engaged. Amazing. I've been praying for, you've been praying for a husband for 20 years. Don't matter. Praise God, you know? You know, they got a baby or they got, they got this or that. Just say, man, I'm going to celebrate. Okay? And let me just teach you, a, this is total sideways, but let me just teach you a very life principle. Pay close attention to who celebrates you when you win and who stays silent when you win. Your real friends are the ones who celebrate you. And the people who are, who, who are silent when you're winning, they ain't your friends. Some of you are like, I need some new friends. Yeah. Because when they win, they sit on their hands when you win. That's proof they were never for you. Your greatest friends go, that's so awesome. Pay close attention when you're winning who's silent. They ain't for you. Shondo, okay, let's move on. When you compare down, so you compare up, you get discouraged. The second thing, when you compare down, you get prideful. That means when you compare where you're at with people that are not doing as good as you. It doesn't matter what others are doing, it matters what you're doing. It's very prideful to think I must be doing good because I'm not as bad as them. My life, my marriage is not as messed up as theirs. My kids are not as tore up as their kids. You know, it's prideful. You know, I must be doing better because, you know, to com- that's what the Bible says to compare is unwise because when you compare with someone who's not doing as good as you, you'll get prideful. God doesn't want pride in your heart. You know, God wants you to pray for them. God wants you to encourage them. God wants you to mentor them. In fact, I'll say this. Some of you that have, have, have you know, maybe you're in church this morning because for everyone, it's not always all about I, I need a miracle. For some of you, you came to church today to give God praise because he's been good to you, okay? And he's been good to you. You're not in church today. Be, and, this, and listen, there, there's, there, and again, there's people in need, but there's people in plenty, right? Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. It was in plenty. Some of you today, you don't have one financial need in your life. Some of you today, you don't, your, your marriage is good. Your kids are good. And let me tell you something. That's not a time to be like, I must be perfect. No, that's a time to start helping somebody else. That's the time to start praying for people. Start encouraging. Open a connect group. Open a men's connect group. Open a, oh, come on, start, start mentoring some of the teenagers, some of the single guys. The Bible says, you know, the older women to disciple the younger women. Start helping them and be like, let me teach you how I defeated that Goliath. Not to be proud and be like, well, good luck, mija. You know what I mean? Come on, son. Yeah. No. Well, hope it works out. <laughs> no. That's prideful. 
Strong people don't put others down. They lift other people up. Okay. Next, when you compare side to side. So when you compare up, discouragement. Compare down is pride. When you compare side to side, in other words, when you compare with people that are at the same level as you, it leads to settling. You become stagnant. So why should you not compare? Because when you compare your life to someone who's at the same place of life that you are, it leads to you settling in stagnation. So the Bible says don't compare because you, some, you might feel good like, well, you know what? At least we're both at the same level. And, and you're measuring your life and your, by the standard of, of those that are next to you. And that, that's, that, that's stagnation. God didn't call you to compare your life with someone next to you. You know the potential God put inside of you. You know what God put inside of you. You got you to gotta be continually growing. You got to be continually persistent. You got to be continually seeking God and say, God, I want to believe you for bigger things. Say amen, okay? Comparison kills contentment. And look at even the word, comparison. Compare sin. Compare sin. Compare sin. So comparison is not just unhealthy, the Bible's going to tell us it's sinful because comparison could lead you even to envy. Let me read this really quick. J James chapter 3, 14 and 6 says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but from earth. It is unspiritual. Watch this word here. Say it with me in the count three. One, two, and three. It's demonic. The Bible says that envy, which is, a, which is a fruit of comparison, is envy. You're like, well, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. It Bible says it's demonic, that it is, it is from the pit of hell. It is bondage from Satan. It literally puts you in a place of discontentment, of envy, and also puts you in a place of sin. And we come to break the power of sin over our life. We want to break free from the power of Satan, and we want to live in the place that God has for us. Say amen, okay? So we want to be at that place of contentment. Let me just give you this last, last thought here, and I'm done. Let's read here. What verse do I want to read here? I want, I want you to read, uh, bah, 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 bah. let's read Proverbs chapter 15 and 15, New Living Translation. It says, for the despondent every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. When you're joyful, life will be a continual feast. When you're like, man, I'm blessed, I'm good with or without it, life is a continual feast. But when you're despondent, you compare envy, it'll always discourage you. And I see, I saw, I see it in my kids because, you know, I got, I got 40 kids. Just kidding, four. <laughs> Feels like 40. And uh, me and my wife, it's two versus four. We play zone defense. Got four, you know what I mean? It's like, I got this zone, you got that zone. And, and anyway, so uh, my sister-in-law came over. She's like, this is like, what's going on over here? She don't got no kids. I'm like, welcome to the daycare center. Praise God. I'm just going to go, you know, the silver day. Anyway, so, so you know, I'm like, I see this in my kids because, you know, my kids, uh, one of my favorite pies is uh, banberry pie. But it, but your man's trying to lose a few pounds right now. But anyway, so banberry pie, that's my favorite pie. I love banberry pie. Like, ooh, you man. And so I got it one night, and I said, I'm going I'm to introduce you kids to the best pie on planet Earth, banberry pie. Let's go. So I got the banberry pie, and I gave them all the taste. They're like, oh, my goodness. So I gave one slice to each one. But, you know, I guess I gave a bigger slice to, to, um, to my daughter Faith and my, my son Judah. And when my, my, my son Judah got his slice, he was happy. Like, yeah, this kid is like, oh, man, it's good. He was happy until he saw his sister slice. And when he saw his sister slice of pie, he went from to. Like, oh, how come she got a bigger slice than I got? He went from. 
Why? Because he compared his slice with someone else's slice. Could it be that the reason you're so discontent is you were happy with your slice until you started looking at someone else's slice? <laughs> I mean, you were happy. Oh, I love my slice. Woo! And you start looking at some, another slice. And now you're discouraged. How about we say, thank God for my slice of the Banbury pie. You know, God, this is the slice you gave me, my little slice, my little, little, little right here. Thank you, Lord. I don't care. God bless your slice. God bless what God gave you. And if he trusts you with that good, don't get me wrong, I'm going to enjoy my slice. I'm going to give God praise for my slice. And I just came to worship him. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise for your slice. Amen. Come on, Theo Slice. Let's go. So good. That's right. This God is good. Because if not, and I'm done here. You'll live in the land of Ur, E-R, Ur. You know what that land is? Ur, Ur? Okay, the land of Ur is this. I wish I was thinner. I wish I was smarter. I wish I was prettier. I wish I was more awesomer. You know, I don't know. I mean, I wish I, I was more together, you know? I wish, I, and, we, and we put the E-R on everything on our life and our happiness. And that defeats you. It gets you to a place of discontentment. When I'm telling you, God has been good to you. He, even in the most difficult year, trust me, if you just made it through 2020, how many know we're going to give God some praise up in this year? Because God is good. I'm not going to put myself in, I wish I was richer or I wish I was better. I'm just glad that God is with me. Come on, say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, all across our campuses. I want you just to lift your hands right now. And I want you to worship your God because he is good. Come on, put your praise on God for a moment. Come on, sing this out, team. Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show us your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.